How He Left the Hotel by Louisa Baldwin I used to work the passenger lift in the Empire Hotel. That big block of building in lines of red and white brick like streaky bacon that stands at the corner of street. I served my time in the army and got my discharge with good contact stripes. And how I got the job was in this way. Hotel was a big company affair with a managing committee of retired officers and such like. Gentlemen, with a bit of money and a concern and nothing to do but fidget about it. My late colonel was one of them. He was a good-natured, tempered as a man as ever stepped when his wheel wasn't crossed. And when I asked him for a job, Mole, he says, you're the very man to work the lift at our big hotel. Soldiers are civil and business-like, and the public like them. Only second best to sailors. We had to give them our last men a sack. You can take his place. I like my work well enough, and my pay. Kept my place a year. They should have been there still, if it hadn't been for a circumstance. But don't let me... And... and Ours was an autocratic lift. None of them known rickety things went up like a pole parrot's cage in a well staircase I shouldn't care to trust my neck to. Ran as smooth as oil. A child might have worked it as safe as standing on the ground instead of being stuck full of advertisements like an omnibus. We had mirrors in it. The ladies would look at themselves and pat their hair, set their mouths when I was taking them downstairs, dressed for an evening. There's a little sitting room with red velvet cushions to sit down on. You had nothing to do but get into it, and it had float you up or float you down, light as a bird. All the visitors used the lift one time or another, going up or coming down. Some of them was French, and they called the lift the Ascendar. Good enough for them in their language, no doubt. But why the Americans that can speak English when they chose, always finding out ways of doing things quicker than, than ever folks should waste time in breathing, calling it a lift, an elevator. I can't make it, can't make out. I was in charge of a lift from noon till twilight, midnight. By the time the theatre and dining out folks had come in, and anyone returning late walked upstairs, for my day's work was done. One of the porters worked the lift till I came on duty in the morning, but before twelve there was nothing particularly going on, and not much until after two o'clock. Then it was pretty hot work with visitors going up and down constant. Electric bell ringing you from one floor to another, like a house on fire. Then came a quiet spell while dinner was on. I sat had sat down comfortable in lift and read my paper. Only I mustn't smoke. But nobody else might neither. I had to ask for a gentleman to please not smoke in it. It was against the rules. I hadn't so often to tell English gentlemen 
They not like foreigners. They seem as if their cigars are glued to their lips. I always notice faces as folks got into the lift, for I have sharp sight and a good memory, and none of the visitors needed to tell me twice where to take them. I knew them. I knew their floor as well. They did as they did themselves. It was in November, it was in November that Colonel Saxby came to the Empire Hotel. I noticed him particularly because you could see at once he was a soldier. He was a tall, thin man, about fifty, with a hawk nose, keen eyes, a grey moustache, and walked stiff with a shotgun wound in the knee. But I had what I noticed most was a scar on the skull of a cut across the right side of the face. He got in the lift to go to his room on the fourth floor. I put I thought what a difference there is among officers. Colonel Saxbury put me in mind of the telegraph pole for height and thinness. My old colonel was like a barrel in uniform, but a brave soldier, a gentleman all the same. Colonel Saxbury's room was number two one oh just opposite the glass door leading to the lift. Every time I stopped on the fourth floor, number 210 stared me in the face. The colonel used to go up and lift every day regular, though he never came down it till. But I'm coming to that presently. Sometimes when he was alone in the lift, he had speak to me. He asked me what regiment I served, and said he knew the officers in it. But I can't say he was comfortable to talk to. There was something stand off about off about him. He's always seemed deep in his own thoughts. He never sat down in the lift. Whether it was empty or full, he stood bolt right upright under the lamp where the light fell on his pale face and scarred cheek. One day in February I c- didn't take the colonel up in the lift, as he was a regular at clockwork. I noticed it, but I suppose he'd gone away for a few days. I thought no more about it. Whenever I stopped on the fourth floor, the door of 210 was shut. He often left it open. I made sure the colonel was away. At the end of the week, I heard a trainman say Colonel Saxby was ill. So I think that's why he hadn't been in the lift lately. It was a Tuesday night, and I've had an uncommonly busy time of it. It was one stream of traffic up and down, so it went on the whole evening. It was the strike of midnight. I was about to put out the light in the lift, lock the door and leave the key in the office for the man in the morning when the electric bell rang out sharp. I looked to the, at the dial and saw I was wanted on the fourth floor. It struck twelve as I stepped into the lift. As I passed the second and third floors, I wondered who it was that had rung so late. I thought it must be a stranger. I didn't know the rule of the house. <coughs> but when I stopped at the fourth floor and flung open the door of the lift, Colonel Saxbury was standing there wrapped in a military cloak. The door of his room was shut behind him. For I read the number in it. I thought he was ill in his bed, and ill enough he looked. But he had his hat on, and what could a man have been in bed ten days? What with going out on a winter's midnight? I didn't think he saw me, 
and when I set the lift in motion, I looked at him standing under the lamp, with the shadow of his hat hiding his eyes, a light full on the lower part of his face that was the dead that was deadly pale, the scar on his cheek showing still paler. Dread to see you better, sir, said I, but he said nothing. I didn't like to look at him again. He stood like a statue in his cloak about him. I was downright glad. I opened the door of the lift for him to step out to the hall. In the hall, I saluted as he got out. He went past me towards the front door. O'Connor wants to go out, I said to the porter, who stood staring. He opened the door, and Colonel Setbury walked out into the snow. That's queer, go, he said. It is, said I. I don't like the Colonel looks. He doesn't seem himself at all. He's ill enough to be in his bed. And here he is gone out on a night like this. Anyhow, he's got a famous cloak to keep him warm. I say, supposing he's gone to the fancy ball and got the cloak to hide his dress, said the porter, laughing uneasily, for we both felt queerer than we cared to say. We spoke. There came a loud ring at the doorbell. No more passengers for me, I said. I was getting... I really... Pulling the light out this time, when Joe opened the door and two gentlemen entered, I knew at a glance were doctors. One was tall and the other was short and stout, and they came, both came into the lift. Sorry, gentlemen, it is against the rule for the lift to go up after midnight. Nonsense, said the stout gentleman. It's only just past twelve, a matter of life or death. Take us up at once to the floor floor. And where there, well, there they were in the lift, like a shot. So up we went, and when I opened the door, they walked straight to number ten. A nurse came out to meet them. The stout doctor said, "No change for the worse." I hope. I heard her reply. The patient died five minutes ago, sir. Though I'm, I had no business to speak, that was more than I could stand. I followed the doctors to the door and said, There's been some there's been some mistake there, gentlemen. I took the colonel down lift since the clock struck twelve. He went out, the stout doctor said sharply. A case of murder, mistaken identity. Is someone else who you took for the journal. Begging your pardon, gentlemen. It was the colonel himself and the night porter who opened the front door for him, knew him as well as me. He dressed for a night like this his military cloak wrapped around him. Step in and see for yourself, said the nurse. I followed the doctor into the room. There lay Colonel Saxbury, looking just as I'd seen him a few minutes before. There he lay, dead as his forefathers, a great cloak spread over the dead, to keep him warm, and that would feel heat and cold no more. I never slept that night. I sat up with Joe, expecting every minute to hear the Colonel ring, and the front door bring the front door. Next day, every time the bell for the door, the bell for the lift rang sharp and sudden. A sweat broke out on me. I shook again. I felt as bad as I did the first time. I was in action. Me and Joe told the manager all about it. He said, we've been dreaming. But, said he, mind you don't talk about it, or the house will be empty in a week. Kun's coffin was smuggled 
into the house the next day. Me and the manager and the undertaker men took it up in the lift, and it lay across it, and not an inch to spare. They carried it into the number 210. While I waited for them to come out again, a queer feeling came over me. When the door opened softly, four men carried out the long coffin straight across the passage, set it down on his foot towards the door. I lift the manager looked round at me for me. I can't do it, sir, I said. I can't take the colonel down again. I took him down at midnight yesterday. That was enough for me. Push it, said the manager. Speaking sharp and short and sharp, they ran the coffin into, into the lid without a sound. The manager got in at last, and before he closed the door, he said, Mole, you worked this lift for the last time. It strikes me. And if I and I and I had, if I hadn't, wouldn't have stayed on the Empire, on at the Empire Hotel after what had happened. Not if they doubled my wages and me, the night porter, left together.